What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. This week, we are going to talk about a man named Leopold II, King of Belgium. Um, Bit of a strange story. Uh, For those of you who have young children, this might not be a story that they would want to listen to. Um, There is quite a lot of graphic detail in this And it is one of the untold stories from history. So if you live in Belgium, you are probably aware of King Leopold. Um, You've probably seen a statue or two of King Leopold. He had quite a few statues all around Belgium celebrating his time on the throne and what he had brought to the country. What we're going to talk about is the real history behind King Leopold and Many of you have probably heard the song We Didn't Start the Fire and there's a line in that that says Belgians in the Congo and if you do a little bit of digging into the Belgians in the Congo we start talking about Leopold II and what actually happened during that time. Now before we get into this I do want to give a little bit of a shout out uh, to my dad believe it or not. Um a man who my entire life I have never heard make a dad joke in my entire life he's one of these uh, gentlemen that uh, is very very old school very old fashioned and he said he listened to the previous episode before obviously Queen Elizabeth II uh, the phrases from history and picked out a particular phrase that means something different in America to something in the UK 
and I don't think I've laughed that hard for a very, very long time. He put it on Facebook, so for those of you who are on the Facebook group, you will have already listened or seen this comment. Um, and he used the phrase that in Britain we say, can I bum a fag? Which in the UK means, can I borrow a cigarette? And in America, it just means something a little bit different. Um, and I'll leave that one there for you guys. So we'll start with a little bit of a light note before we get into probably quite a uh, quite a disturbing episode, really. So we'll start, like I said, with King Leopold II. He was born in 1835. He was born to King Leopold I, believe it or not. Now, Belgium was a very, very young country at this time. Belgium was actually founded in 1830. So, yes, America, there is a country that you are older than. So, Leopold was obviously one of the first royals to ever come out of Belgium. However, you would think he had a pretty good upbringing. This was not really the case, which is a bit strange when you think of royal princes and first in lines to the throne you would assume they had a, a pretty good upbringing. Uh, Leopold II was kind of shunned from his family. Um, he was the oldest of three. He had uh, Prince Philippe and Princess Charlotte, who his two younger siblings. And in 1844, his father, being 54 years old, had an affair. His affair was with a 16-year-old girl. Uh, he then declared her a baroness of Belgium and her two sons that came after were barons of Belgium. Leopold I apparently, uh, allegedly, had quite a few affairs. Now, obviously, he's a king. There is a little bit more leeway with it, but unfortunately, this creates a very unhappy marriage. And his mother queen louise maria was obviously not very happy in her relationship but unfortunately couldn't do anything about it so she took her frustration and her stress out on the children most directly on leopold now leopold inherited a rather large nose from his father and she would constantly tease him uh, call it say he had a beak um, for a young child you know growing up having this sort of you basically your mother um, hating you so this hatred that's coming out it does have an effect on you know on you growing up so he didn't have the greatest childhood that we can imagine so not the best upbringing but let's be honest even the worst upbringing as a prince is still better than the best upbringing as a peasant. He had an arranged marriage in 1853 to Marie Henriette of Austria. Now, he was never really taught how to have a happy relationship. He never witnessed a happy relationship growing up and was very, very awkward around his young bride. She, again, was in a very similar situation, and it was described that they were a nun and a stable boy together. They really didn't have a good relationship. Now, he got no sex advice from his parents and had to go to his auntie. For those of you who have worked out who his auntie was, it was Queen Victoria of England. Now, 
as I'm sure you can imagine, this was probably quite an awkward conversation to have, but they obviously managed to work it out because during his life, Leopold II and Marie Henriette actually had two daughters. In 1865, his father died, leaving Leopold II as the second king ever of Belgium. Unfortunately, because he didn't have a very happy home life, he didn't know how to make a happy home life uh, due to his upbringing, he believed that the only way that he could be happy was to possess different things. Um, you know, his pride was in his possessions and in his money, not in his family and his wife. Uh, he was even quoted saying to Wilhelm of Germany that there is nothing left for kings except money. One of the things Leopold II strived to do during his reign was complete what his father failed to do. Back in this period in history, in the 19th century, a world power was created by the colonies that they owned. So your main places such as Britain, France, uh, America even, they colonized the areas that they lived. Um, although America don't particularly like to be considered uh, colonizers, they most certainly were when they, they spread west. Um Belgium had to be put into the same category. Leopold wanted Belgium to be in that category. And his father made 50 attempts to colonize a part of Africa and failed each time. Leopold II was not going to fail. He made a decision to colonize the Congo. Now, he didn't want to colonize it for Belgium. He actually wanted to colonize it for himself. He wanted it to be a state for him and a state where he could take full control of the profits. Obviously, this is not something that the rest of Europe was going to accept. So he went forwards with a conference in 1884 to suggest that he was going to spread the word of Christianity to the Congo. And that was the plan. He wouldn't tell them the truth, what he was actually trying to do, but this was the, the lie that he was going with. He would spread Christianity across the Congo. And no nation was going to stop him. Because, let's be honest, the Congo, the rainforest, the rivers, uh, man-eating lions, crocodiles, hippopotamuses, um, it's a dangerous place. Uh, no one wanted to go there. No Europeans wanted to live there. Um, it wasn't a place that people believed could be colonized. It was not something that could be controlled very easily. Um, there were lots of different tribes. And the theory went that, well, if he wants to try, let him try. Because no one else wants that land. So they did. They took a step back and they let Leopold II do what he wanted so how was he going to do it no one wanted it no one had ever tried but there was one man in the united kingdom who believed it was possible to colonize the congo a man named henry morgan stanley now he made petitions to queen victoria in the past that it was possible and that britain could colonize the congo however all of his suggestions were rebuffed by the queen 
his work was found by Leopold II. And Leopold approached Henry Morgan Stanley and said, I'm going to send you on a mission. And in 1879, he sent him to the Congo. When he got there, he went to the chiefs in the Congo, spoke to a lot of leaders and used tricks to make the Congolese people believe that if they were not to sign their land over to King Leopold, that the white man would crush them. He used certain tricks that today would not be impressive, but but back then, these were extremely impressive. He used a contraption in his glove to make his grip ultra strong, which would mean when he shook the hands of the Congolese people that they would break their hands or they would collapse in pain um, and he said that white men were this strong that they could break bones and they could rip trees from the ground because they were so strong uh, he used a magnifying glass to light a cigar and said that white men controlled the sun they controlled the flames and the fire that came out of it and then he took the ultimate task and handed a rifle to a Congolese man and said I'll show you that you cannot kill me with a bullet he'd obviously taken the bullet out um, the Congolese man fired a blank Henry Morgan Scott Henry, sorry Henry Morgan Stanley uh, doubled over wreathed around on the ground stood up and took the bullet out of his shoe he said that he was that powerful that white men were that superior um, they were a different breed and they could not be killed by a bullet now these obviously sound like silly magic tricks um, but back then the majority of these Congolese people had never seen a white man before they had no idea who he was and when he's come in speaking a similar language he, he'd spent many years in Africa um, he knew the languages he could speak to these people um, and he would say you know you need to sign your land over because the white man is far superior in every way and they did they couldn't they couldn't argue with him they'd never seen a man like this before they didn't know anybody who could control the sun or someone who had that sort of strength that they could break your hand just by gripping it and you know someone who could be shot and not die these were real you know real eye openers for for the congolese people and they signed their land away now obviously they had no idea what they were signing but unfortunately that document when went to when leopold went to the european powers in 1884 that document was enough to solidify his attempt to take over the Congo. He named the Congo the Congo Free State to pretty much put off the Europeans looking into it. Unfortunately for the Congolese people, it was anything but free. Leopold paid for governors of the Congo through his own pocket and these governors found out that the Congo was full of of rubber trees now rubber was an extremely lucrative commodity at this time cars had just been started to be built there were 
aeroplanes had only just been thought about. There were tyres and rubber was an extremely important commodity going into the 19th, uh, from the 19th to the 20th century. And here, Leopold II had an ample supply. Unfortunately, what he did have was the supply. What he didn't have was the means to get it. He didn't have the manual labour. So he enforced the manual labour. He told all his governors that they were to enslave the Congolese people. The Congolese people were lesser humans. They weren't real people. And they were his property. So take them. Make them do the work. Then we'll ship the work back. And we'll make the rubber. This rubber was a gold mine. It was it was unreal how much of a commodity it actually was at the time and, and how little there was in the world. So the fact that Leopold II had this opportunity to make millions of dollars, he took it. Now they enslaved the people through fear, torture, um, bribery, anything they could. Uh, one of the main ways of doing it was to go into a village, burn the village to the ground, um, steal all the women and children and force the men to go and do the work and they said if they didn't come back with a certain amount of rubber and they would murder their wives and their children so the men did what they were told to do because the alternative doesn't bear thinking about um, this is how it started he then realised that he needed his own army there so instead of sending down a belgian army he created an army called the force publique now these were congolese people who were hand-picked by the governors to join the force publique they were normally the tallest or the strongest men in the villages men who you know they believed they could trust again these men weren't uh, they, they were press ganged. They didn't do this voluntarily. They weren't volunteers. They were pushed into it. They were bribed. You will kill your family. We'll kill your wife. We'll kill your children um, if you don't join and do what we tell you to do. So they joined. They did what they were told. And most of them were pretty good for what they for what they did. They they were they listened. They behaved. They did what they were told by the Belgian governors. They were given weapons. They were told that they were not to waste a single bullet. Not one. Every bullet must kill. And once that person has been killed, you were to take the hand off for each bullet that you shot. And this is what happens. Uh, it sounds brutal, but they would shoot. And they would then have to take the hand off the, the dead victim or dying victim on the floor. Unfortunately, as I'm sure you can imagine, these weren't sharpshooters. Sometimes they missed. But they still needed to take a hand back for the bullet that had been fired. They found that many Congolese men had hands cut off because... The force public had missed a shot. 
might not even have been aimed at the man they took the hand off, but they had to go back with a hand. Um, there are pictures of many Congolese men with one or sometimes both hands missing. They've been sliced off. Um, and this is because they they were told they had to do it. Um, you know, it, it goes to that old question of a soldier following orders. Um, but it's a little bit different when the bullet's pointed at your family. Um, so you either do it. Or- Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Or when your family dies, it's a horrible situation to even imagine yourself in, but this was the reality for for many Congolese people at this time. Leopold's mission to spread Christianity spread far and wide through Belgium, Holland, Denmark, uh, neighbouring countries, and many people rushed to join his force publique, and meant that the, the entire army itself was not just Congolese people. There were Uh, white Europeans in that as well now to the white Europeans they didn't have a gun pointed at their head to do this Um, but nonetheless they were told uh, basically forced to believe that these men of the Congo were subhuman they weren't the same they weren't on the same level as the white man and and they shouldn't really feel guilty about harming them because it didn't really matter many of the generals and actually and the governors themselves actually sent letters to leopold ii now they believed that the worse they treated the congolese people the better production and the better work they got out of them there are many stories of the force publique cutting off noses, um, eyes, gouging eyes out, cutting ears off, um, obviously cutting the hands, cutting the bellies open so the entrails uh, fall out whilst the men are marching, so their their stomachs um, falling out onto the floor while they're walking back with with trees. Essentially, you know, they're carrying these rubber trees but yet their their stomachs are cut open so their entrails fall out on the road um there are stories of congolese men having their genitals cut off and hung up in front of them and you know they they were brutal it, there's no other word for it than just utter brutality and there was no level of respect from the europeans towards these men Many women, obviously, were murdered, um, raped, just anything you can imagine. It, this this happened in the Congo. In fact, Leopold actually managed to enslave the entire Congo. Not just a region of it, the entire country was under his slave control. He made a point that any 
European member could visit the Congo. This was in his address in 1884. Anyone could visit the Congo and trade with him. So the Arab traders decided to take him up on this offer and, and visit the Congo. When Leopold found out about this, he realized that he was going to be exposed. What was going on there would probably be exposed. And he decided to start a war, the Congo-Arab War, um, which was to end the slave trade from the Arabs in the East. Now, this is what he went with. This is the story that he portrayed was that the Arab traders were actually coming to the Congo to take slaves. Now, the Arabs at this time were probably the only country in the world that actually still had slavery. The rest of the world had moved forwards. Um, you know, most slavery ended in, in the early 1800s. Um, the Arab states still carried it on. I believe, if I'm right, a lot of Arab states still carry it on today um, and a lot of African states as well. But um, at this time, in particular, um, slavery was, was so badly frowned upon because we were in the same century that slavery was abolished. So the outlaw was apparent in everybody's mind so when leopold ii turns around and says well we're going after these guys because these guys are here for the slave trade the slave trade that the europeans got rid of in this century the impact was was instant he he was able to fund this war um that really was built upon a lie because he was the one that was the slaver he was the one that was you know causing all these problems and he didn't want to be found out some of you may have heard of something called the stokes affair um, this was actually in 1895 a british merchant flying under the german flag visited the congo uh, he was looking to buy and trade rubber he visited the congo and he was actually captured by the force publique and hung without a trial. When word got back to Britain and Germany, there was inevitably quite a bit of outrage. Leopold could only apologise and he was forced to pay quite substantial reparations for this. Now, we talk about substantial in this time there's no real details on how much was actually paid out but just to put it into perspective at this point he'd made around 220 million francs from this particular venture of his which would be the equivalent of around one billion dollars today so whatever he had to pay was a drop in the ocean compared to what he had the word was starting to get out, though, unfortunately, for Leopold. People were starting to realize what was going on. Uh, there was a an American Civil War veteran under the name of George Washington Williams, um, a black gentleman who visited the Congo. Uh, when he left, he wrote letters to King Leopold describing some of the outrages that he'd seen there. The king obviously never replied, but the word was getting out. There was a shipping merchant in uh, in Liverpool under the name of Edmund Morrill. This gentleman 
saw the ships that were coming in from the Congo carrying the amount of rubber that they were carrying and deduced very quickly that a country the size of Belgium was not able to produce this amount of rubber without using slave labor it wasn't didn't take a genius to work out that a country with you know a handful of people was not going to be able to do the work of maybe five million it just wasn't going to happen so he started to do a bit of digging a bit of investigating and he started writing anonymous letters and anonymous uh, articles for a newspaper called the speaker um, and this was you know this was big uh, big at the time he was doing um, sort of undercover journalism and something that hadn't really happened in this country and it was almost like a shockwave that went through the country when people were reading the sort of the atrocities that were actually happening there he actually went on to say that what he was witnessing in the congo was the greatest crime that had ever been committed in the history of the entire world now let's remember this was the late 1800s so this is pre-world war ii um for those of you who are sat there going the holocaust was probably up there with it um they believe at the end there was an estimated 10 million congolese that were actually murdered during this time um so i i would argue this is this is probably up there if not uh greater than the holocaust but it it's weird because this is an untold story this isn't something people know very very much about whereas the holocaust um, is embedded into western culture this is sort of a side note if anything the shipping company in liverpool were aware of what uh, moral was doing and they offered him a job as head of shipping from the congo um, a job which he turned down um, and he actually became a full-time journalist after that he actually became so passionate about this um, he started his own newspaper um, and even wrote his own book which was called red rubber which you can still buy today with the growing contempt now uh, there were independent committees sent out to the congo to basically to find up the evidence and, and present it to the king uh, a man named roger caseman did the initial inquest and it came back as negative as you can imagine king leopold knew that he had to answer this he had to go out there and he had to do his own investigations to try and clear his name he sent his own committee out there and they were greeted by a white gentleman under the name of John Harris. His wife was called Alice Harris and if you have the stomach for it, uh, Google Alice Harris pictures in the Congo. Um, she was a photographer and she had enough evidence on her own to prove what was going on. Um, John Harris and Alice had collected many Congolese people who would testify on behalf of the atrocities that were happening there, the mutilations, the rapes, the murders. Um, this came back pretty bad for King Leopold, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, in fact, there was a 50-page human rights report that was written about the atrocities that was going on there. 
Leopold was left with no option. He instructed all the governors of the Congo to burn everything, burn all the documents, burn any evidence of any sort of slavery, and let's try and wipe the slate clean. He was he was trying to get himself out of this hole that he dug himself into. In 1908, the Congo finally got its independence from King Leopold, and it became a Belgian colony. Now, I don't think they wanted to be a Belgian colony, but at least this way, the king was not in control, and they were able to rule themselves. They didn't get it by normal means. They actually paid for it. They paid the king 50 million francs, uh, which would be the equivalent of about a quarter of a billion dollars today to buy their own freedom. Um, but they were still under Belgium government. Leopold II died in 1909 and was not able to answer for any of the atrocities or any of his crimes that were committed in that country. Once the Congo had its own independence, almost, it meant that the Belgian government could enter and, you know, look at the country a little bit more, rather than it just being totalitarian under the king. And they realised that the Congo was not just full of rubber. They had gold, diamond mines, and quite a lot of ivory all very precious materials, all that could be sold for a very high price. And now the Congolese people, okay, would need to be paid, but the amount of money that they would make from these uh, raw materials was enough to cover the fact that they now didn't have slaves. They Unfortunately, like I said, in Belgium, I believe even to this day, they teach that King Leopold II was a good man, that he brought Christianity to the Free Congo states, that he was not an evil person and that the slavery didn't happen. The Belgian government decided after the death of Leopold II to keep this lie going. They did it for the main reason that most countries had abolished slavery earlier in the century and to think that a nation that's only just really been around for 70 80 years was reverting back in human rights didn't look good certainly didn't look good for belgium and it didn't look good for the continuance for the country so they allowed the belgian people to buy into the lie that Leopold was there doing good and they kept it going they ignore the fact that Leopold had an estate in the Congo an estate that in 19, uh, in 1897 he rounded up 267 Congolese people and created a human zoo to which Belgians would travel from Belgium down to the Congo to this estate just so they can throw peanuts and bananas at the people in the zoo. Many of these people died from influenza and other diseases and 
the building still exists today. It's uh, it's still there in the Congo. The estimates are somewhere between 4 million and 10 million people were killed under Leopold II. Somewhere between 70 to 90% of the entire population. And Belgium can't hide from this anymore. The creation of the internet, the uh, amount of information that is available out there for people now to find the truth, things like this podcast, um, it's uh, it's there. People know about it now. Um, but unfortunately, people in Belgium will still tell you slavery never happened in the Congo. So I hope you've uh, learned something today. And like I said, it was a bit of a gruesome episode uh, but an episode that I think definitely needed, uh, definitely needs to be spoken about. Something that, if we don't talk about it, it will get lost to history because <clears throat> it's a part of history that people don't want to talk about. It's a part of history that an entire country is still in denial about, and y- you can't keep things under wraps for too long. So. Yeah, share this story, share this episode, uh, get it out there. Um, even if you get this episode, if everybody listening to this gets this episode out to one or two friends and then they get it out to one or two friends and so on and so forth, this story will start to circulate and people will actually realise that, um, you know, this this actually happened. Um, and it, it happened almost 100 years after slavery was abolished in the United Kingdom. Uh, almost 60 years after it was abolished in the USA. It's something that is almost impossible to believe that at the turn of the 20th century, this was going on. But it was, and it's important that we talk about it, and it's important that we learn from history like this. And the only way to learn is to actually tell people about it. So get out there, share this episode, um, and let people know what's going on or what was going on so thank you for listening guys uh, we say this every single week uh, get yourselves onto patreon.com there will be a new uh, you may have heard it in this episode a new um, advert out that I've I've read out that uh, that's gone live now um, if you if that is annoying you you have to go over to patreon to get hold of these episodes without that um, unfortunately that is how we make money is adverts so uh, the only other way I make money is through patreon so if you want to support me that way get over to patreon.com forward slash this week in history and get yourselves over there I think it's five dollars a month now um, and you can get access to all of these shows you get them earlier than the other ones and you also get them without the adverts failing that guys if you are on my facebook if you're not on the facebook group you why are you not on the facebook group get onto the facebook groups this week in history at facebook um because some of the episodes but we do have a new clothing range out okay i will plug it because it's my little baby now me and lee for those of you who know lee from the other podcast we have created our own clothing line so that is on there as well. It's uh, Grimbarian T-shirts. Um, you can find that. You can Google it. You'll find us. Um, but if you can't find the link, then message me on Facebook. Um, there's some great designs on there. So get yourselves over there. Have a look. Um, and yeah, get yourself a T-shirt. You get something. 
you get something out of it, I get something out of it, everyone's happy. So, yeah, have a look and, and let us know. But thanks for listening, guys, and we shall see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.